What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This podcast is brought to you in part by Ashford University. Ashford.edu slash ham to start your master's degree today. Guy, it's convenient and flexible. Ashford University's online bachelor's and master's degree program allow you to learn at your own pace. Key for guys like me and you. You can study whenever you want and the most comfortable learning. One course at a time, guy. One course at a time. Six-week-long courses that allows you to be a full-time student. I don't know. How do you beat that? I don't think you can. Uh, GRE, GMAT, standardized test scores, not required for enrolling at Ashford University. So get ready to grab new opportunities. Start your master's degree today. Enroll now by going to ashford.edu slash ham. That's ashford.edu slash ham to start your master's degree today. Up to 90 transfer credits if you started somewhere else but didn't finish. Ashford.edu slash ham. Middle. Call! Hey, B. Hames! I was uh, in the car driving. I had the Periscope magnetically on my dashboard so I could listen to Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch's, uh, what do we, is it an exit press conference? Is that what we call this? Yeah. You know, post-Super Bowl presser. What'd you think? They're a good combo there. And for a while, it's just like, must be fun for John to sit here and listen to Kyle's press conference. My number one takeaway is because when you're watching the Periscope, at first I was just listening. I had it on my little JBL charge and I was away. And it's like, well, to me, an end of the year press conference after a loss like that, I got to see some faces. So then I kind of went into the office, sat down and watched like through my phone. Kyle looks like, and I don't blame him at all, that he's been in the bottle for the last two or three days, crying, maybe not actually crying, but if you told me he shed a couple tears, I'd believe you. But he he looks like he hasn't slept much, tossing and turning. He looked miserable. And you know, we often hear this. One of the, t- one of the stories that came out, someone told me this the other day. They're like, hey, do you follow, follow Debo on Instagram? I'm like, no, I try to limit the amount of players I follow on Insta, and I haven't got around to Swaggy19 or whatever his handle is. They partied after the game. 
So, you know, wherever you stay at the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl party's happening whether you win or lose. And a lot of the guys, I think Lil Wayne played at their party, and they partied. Someone's like, what do you think about them partying? I'm like, there's a reason that the alcohol industry is one of the most successful industries in the world's history. Because people drink when times are good, and you could argue they drink more when times are shitty. It's a recession-proof product. I actually watched the Untouchables on Wednesday night. Makes your... Makes your uh, just helps you feel better when you don't feel good. And I have no problem with them partying, but like people, and I guess they went to Vegas after I, Kyle does not look like he participated. Now he, I think it was kind of mandatory. Maybe they go down there and go, but it looks like Kyle's drank a lot. And someone told me at the Super Bowl, uh, yeah, I, I think I can say this. Peter King told me that he wanted to do, remember how the video, which is still one of the best Insta stories I've ever seen. When you the Andy Reid picture of him in a in a uh, in a beanie, but the way the beanie looked, he looked like a a bandit from the from like the eighties. He looked like he was about to. What'd you say about to steal a bunch of cigarettes or something? Yeah, he looked like in a mob movie that would have made with like Pacino and De Niro that he would have been one of their henchmen jacking a truck of cigarettes. And Peter's like, you know, I would have loved doing it with Kyle, but I knew that Andy would say yes, and I didn't want to risk not asking him early. He he I, he basically said like bef- he was he set that up before the championship games. He's like I knew Lafleur would want no part of it. Too young, too inexperienced. Vrabel is such an accomplished guy. He would have been down to do it, and he just knew him and Andy had done shit before. He's like I I knew Kyle probably would have said no. It was risky, but mm. I did tell Kyle I think during the week like listen because after they won the Super Bowl, he get, he went into Andy Reid and spent like 20 minutes with him in Andy Reid's office, like the little office they have at the Miami Stadium. Mm-hmm. And that's where he got the drawing of the the third and 15 play and everything. And he's like, Kyle, I'm going to need you after this game for the MMQB or whatever it's right. And Kyle's like, well, you better, if you win, he's like, well, you, you better get, I'll give you time, but it's got to be fast because I'm getting drunk. <laughs> you know, and it, I think Kyle clearly has been drunk these last three or four days in in a way that you just if you told me he's just in his office at home just with like you know the NBA game on mute in the background just kind of staring at the sky just kind of in quiet town with just a Jack and Coke just in his sweats just miserable that's how he looked guy he he looked really really shook but you know what's most impressive I think about being a young guy He's been through some crazy-ass times for a 40-year-old, right? He saw in Washington his dad and him get drugged through the mud. He went to Cleveland with Johnny. Uh, he had the 28-3 to thing that I wrote about in The Athletic. You and I have talked about it. It is a pretty unique situation that a coordinator takes all the shit in the head. We never mentioned Dan Quinn. Never mention him, guy. Where And it's kind of a double-edged sword because in this game... It was the defense that fell apart, and yet Kyle's getting all the shit again. So he got it when he was a coordinator. And and I was telling Kawakami, it's actually, that's a good sign. It shows you how powerful people think he, like, they, we don't boo nobodies. We don't talk shit about randoms. Like, Andy got the same heat forever. Like, that means you're good, and everyone knows it. But I, I think Kyle was pretty shell-shocked by the loss. I don't blame him. Like so, I, the, I, It was on last night. Did you notice it on NFL Network? I was flipping yeah, channels. Yeah, I, I watched it and recorded it. Yeah, it was. Because uh, I didn't watch, I didn't uh, record the original game for whatever reason. I, I tried to watch the first quarter and you just realized, I got, 
the game, it did feel big rewatching. Like, it did. I, I know. Sweet. I appreciated that more watching it again. I definitely did. So let's just go through a bunch of the things that were said. I wrote down a bunch of stuff. You've got. Did, you, did you agree with his face, though? You could tell. Like, he's. It's been a long week for him. It, uh, yeah. Yes. Yes. And but he, I, he, I don't think he's been staring off into the abyss. I think he's watched the game a bunch of times beyond probably what he normally does because there's not the prep for the next week. How many times, if you had to guess, in the last four days, do you think he watched Boy, it? Boy, I got to think he's watched it. Four or five? Yeah. Scrubbed th- it pretty deep. Now, now, the good, now, the thing with him, I think he's also, for as uh, uh, despondent as he might be on one hand, he's really on top of every aspect of it, right? I think one thing that seems to me, as we're talking in the immediate hours after that press conference, that is getting the most attention is that he said a couple things specifically about the end of the second half, he would not have done anything differently. Look, if they punt the ball the way they did, if they don't fuck up the the, the downing of the punt, it ended up being a touchback because the guy tried to toss it to his teammate and it couldn't handle it. But we're at the but that's a hard that's a hard play. I understand. I mean, I'm just telling you gets, what he said. This is, I think, yeah. become the headline of what he said is that he would not have done the end of the second half over. He wouldn't have changed any play calls. He would have uh, called a timeout before the fourth down play after they missed the third and 10, but he didn't say it was because they were frenetic. He said it was because their guys were tired because they just ran down the field. Um, but it, I, I think the fact that he said he has, he was like, John, he didn't just say I would, I would have done it the same way again at the end of the second half. He said, there was no doubt in my mind. We did the right thing. No question about it. No ifs, ands, or buts. Like he was three times over definitive. That seems to be what a lot of people are uh, kind of taken away from it because a lot of people don't agree with him on that. Yeah, I don't have I, a big issue with it. I at least appreciate a guy. Like, I think he's established he's pretty sharp. His, def- his defense of it is really logical. So you can disagree with it, but I do get the logic. Because what did he repeat? The reason we did it worked in that we got to, ha- we got to the third quarter, uh, got to the fourth quarter up 20 to 10 because we didn't get the ball back. And two games I threw late, we regretted it. Not late, but like in and, situations. And he- even though the way he explained it, his logic was different than the logic you had on Sunday night for the timeout before the fourth down play when they're down four, and it felt like, I mean, that drive is the game. It He at least is acknowledging, if I could go back, I would have called the timeout. Like, that was just a situation just to get take a deep breath in a situation where everyone's kind of on edge. We just miss a fucking, the equivalent of a Hail Mary, but it's not, I mean, it's just the deep go route where it's just, <gasps> I mean, that takes a lot out of you, right? Just to run. You need Emmanuel Sanders. He's one of your best receivers. You're going to potentially, on a fourth and ten, you're going to potentially throw to him. He just ran 60 yards. I think he basically did the equivalent as much as a coach is going to do of saying, if I could do it over, I would have called time out there. Yeah. Now, you could say hi and say it ended up not mattering, but that wasn't the point because that I did look at it like that's the game because even if you go, there's what, a minute 30 left? I think his problem, and I do understand the other side, you go three straight timeouts, let's say they do kick it into the end zone, you're at the 20 with like a buck 30 left, now you got to score a touchdown, you're not, you, the field goal doesn't do anything for you, but that's still a lot of time, right, even if you have no timeouts. You, three timeouts to me is a really big deal if you do turn the ball over on down just because you can stop the clock. No doubt, but I, I think the counter is like, you've got the ball in your hands, you at might like not... 40. Or thirty or you've whatever. Converted, you've converted fourth and ten. You can convert those things. The the visual of Jimmy two hand passing it is, 
I, I, if you're a diehard Niner fan, that is the hardest thing to watch to me in the game. Like, oh my god! And then it like hits a lineman. Yeah, it's one that's thing as ugly yeah. of a. It's one thing to fail it's on fourth a, down, but to have the play not even happen. Yeah. Do you? But do you think he's being? Like I, I think some of the feedback uh, has been like, why is he? Why is he being so stubborn about the end of the first half? Do you think he's being stubborn? How? How do you? Well, I. I I that would be my first response if I didn't hear him explain. Well, we were up twenty to ten going in the fourth quarter. Now I, I was I ran into our, our friend and my, my doctor Elliot Schwartz this morning, and we talked about that a little bit this morning. And I said I the one problem that fucked the Niners is just big picture. However, you were going to be there, being up twenty seven to ten, given the way the Chiefs were playing, like they were there to kind of be separated from. And the Niners couldn't really separate. Like twenty to ten, what, as we've learned, that's not a big lead against this team. So if they would have been able to just get more points, which potentially on that drive might have led to more points, I get the flip side. Maybe it leads to the Chiefs getting the ball back because you go three and out really fast. But if you just that extra field goal and you were twenty three to ten, the pressure to me ten does feel attainable when you got Mahomes. Now you could argue ten and thirteen are the same because you got to score multiple. Well, I guess if you're 10, I mean, a field goal would have tied it. Where a field goal doesn't tie it on your second drive, right? If you're down 10 and not 13. Like, you need two touchdowns. But I, I think that I, w- I might disagree a little bit there. Just given how aggressive Andy had been early in the game going forward and forth down. Like, they were just going to be swinging. Yeah. He did say if they'd picked up, you know, eight yards on that first run. He, I, I understand why he kind of, not offended, but... You think I'm being conservative when I ha- I run the ball. Like we we run the ball like yeah. most teams don't. So our runs are explosive plays. It, it's it just gets back to the confusing the confusing aspect of football. <laughs> like it's just you could break down that third and 15 play all you want. I don't know the exact coverage rules of when I was texting with multiple people in the league non-Chiefs people. Like, what are the rules cover three passing people off? It changes for every team. It changes in situations. Because in certain situations, Mosley's supposed to take that guy and it gets handed off. It's that quote-unquote pattern matching. Texting with Coach Reed, he talked about something with the divide of it. Like, these are shit like, no, we don't understand. Yeah, that was a casual drop. Super Bowl champ head coach. Text me back. Uh, he, he was From uh, Q Barbic from Q35? He's Q39. He's in a pretty good Q39. place, guy. But Burn I just ends. think that, like, it's just a very confusing. I, I do. I've done football for a living now for over a decade, and I don't know this shit. And I think it gets back to, I give Kyle credit for, not stupid questions, but handling questions unlike a lot of coaches do. Guy, like, would Belichick have been? I mean, he would have been a dick. He wouldn't have acted like that. So I, I think there is an element of, like, it is kind of cool that he's just at least talkative yeah. about this stuff, yeah, I mean, whether you agree or disagree. Well, he lets you know what he's thinking. And then you can judge what he's thinking, whether you agree with it or not. But he does seem to communicate pretty clearly what he what he thought. Like, one thing I thought listening to him was, if he did not have kind of the if, – if the players didn't appreciate, and we know they do because we've heard it so much from them – his prowess as a play caller, then saying, no, I would not change a single play call. We just have to, you know, the plays were there to be made, could be taken the wrong way by players, right? Like if the players don't respect the coach and his play calling ability, you could piss some players off by saying, I wouldn't change a single call. 
the execution basically is what you're saying was what was the issue um and maybe i'd have a problem with it if i hadn't watched kyle now for so long and didn't think he was an elite level coach but that is what i think so i don't i i watched the throw sail over emmanuel sanders hand ahead i agree with him now i don't break down every play like he does but or nearly know all the options i think you could argue there was a couple second and five third and five where you or second and ten where you run the ball but i mean and who knows like you said to me like maybe he would privately change some things but um i i i said that to you before we started the podcast you you thought differently and the more i think i i think he's been pretty consistent with being open about his thought process you know what's he hiding so is there, there is was there a, a risk in saying like I wouldn't have changed anything? No, with your I mean, locker I, room. I think they like that. Remember yeah. when he's like, I, "I would not have played for the tie," and all the players are like, "Fuck yeah, we don't want to, we don't play to tie." Now it they ended up coming a half yard short of that being a big deal. Like that, if they would have tied that game, that Seattle game wouldn't have mattered. They could have rested everyone. Not like that ended up mattering anyway because they rolled through the NFC playoffs. I, I got no problem. I my, my big thing in life, guy. Be who you are. You know, what? what's Nagy's thing? Be you. Just be, be you. true to who. Be you. You like Belichick's just himself. Coach Reed's just himself. Like, I, I think we now have three years of evidence. Like, I, I know exactly what we're getting from Kyle. There's no fraudulent, just you try to say one thing to do another thing. Like, we're about to get into baseball season. I think Kapler's the complete opposite. A complete just fake construction of what he thinks it's supposed to look like. I think Kyle, and that has to get with security of how good you are at your job and what the job entails. I think he's very secure with what he has to do. And his personality, being a younger guy, it's pretty just, he's just naturally a little more receptive to shit that older coaches aren't necessarily. So I I got no issue with it at all. As someone who feels in my own way, like I'm in this position, um, I did watch Kyle today and think that guy's in the zone right now. Like I'm not not in the zone today. They lost, but I he has complete confidence that comes from the hours of preparation that comes from seeing it work right consistently. Um, I think he has total confidence in what he sees in in, in that what he sees is what is happening. Like you know, I saw Andy Reid talking about Mahomes. It's like the crazy thing. Like we knew he was good. Um. I saw the tape after Veach told me this is the greatest play I've ever seen. I was like, damn, this guy's good. He makes plays no one makes. So we go get him. We bring him in. But the thing you don't quite know is, like, is he going to make all those plays in the NFL? Like, does it all just translate? He's like, and then practice starts and all the same no-look shit he was doing, he does. And then you put him in a game and there's no – there's no in-between. Like, when you come to the sideline and say to the quarterback, what did you see – and then he tells you, you just go to the tape, and either he's right or either he saw what was really there or he's wrong. There's no in-between. He's like, and you go to the tape, and Patrick's always right. Like, his vision, his ability to process everything that's happening and correctly identify what it is, when you check the tape, he's great at it. Well, I think the more you recognize, if you're Patrick Mahomes, like, what I think I saw is what was out there, the more confident you get. And I think Kyle's at a place where... He is so confident in who he is. Obviously, their players are really good. Like, he knows what's going to work and what's not going to work. He just knows. And he's proven to be right a lot. Now, it doesn't always actually work, but you just reevaluate and go, was that the right play or the wrong play? Was that the right thing or the wrong thing? And I just think he's in the zone. I think he's got the – he's always obviously been a confident guy. I think he's got the utmost confidence. 
uh, in himself right now. And when you're actually talented, to be that confident is when is when you're dangerous. So I got no issue with any of the stuff he said. And, and again, I just go back to at the end of the day, I think he got one of the best coaches in the league coaching that team. So deal with totally it. Totally agree. Um, what did you think about – you know one thing he said? How about when he's like, oh, yeah, I got like 200 text messages. It would have been more if I didn't change my phone number so much. Did you catch that? I, I, I heard him say something about his phone number. Yeah, I didn't he, quite he changes get it. his phone number all the time. Must be yeah, a second that, phone, right? The phone he I, gives I, out to like silver. Yeah, I think the point though, and I thought he did a good job of illustrating this, is in their profession, and I guess any public profession, but definitely when you're a coach. If you're going to text the guy after a win, are you going to text him after a loss too? Right? Is he getting – and I, I think about that because I, I do text after wins and then sometimes I don't ask for losses. You could argue, do they need your text more after a loss? Like, hey, man, just thinking about you. Hopefully no doubt. Keep your head up. I fucking believe in you. And it's just he had a good point of if I, if I thought I was the best coach ever after the Green Bay game, then am I going to think I'm the worst coach? You can't put too much into either side. Well, if you text – And co- coaches tell their players all the time, right? Like, if you, if you call a game and you check Twitter after the game, if you call, like, let's say Haberman does the fucking NFL game next year. And you do a big game. What's one? Yeah, and does a uh, so you do an NFL game, and let's say it was a big game. Let's say let's say you did Sunday night like fucking Tarico or whoever or Michaels is out, and you fill in for Collinsworth. Yeah, you call the game. Right. Let's just be a it'd be a big jump. But let's was just, I just say in the area. Yeah, just you, you knew you like, knew Michaels, and you would play just whatever. Just listen to it. Okay. And you looked at Twitter after the game, and it was a Cowboy Patriot game or something. Yeah. And 25 million people were watching. You can take a lot out of that, one way or the other. Right. Are you going to let that phase you, or are you just going to keep on trucking? Right. I mean, it's just good or bad. Let's say you fuck up, for example, like Witten and those guys when they were fucking up names. I can't imagine. Are they living on Twitter after the game? Are they checking social media? Well, hard but, not the, to. But, here, but here's the question, right? If you truly are your best, your your most uh, critical critic, then you'll be killing yourself internally more than anybody could kill you on Twitter. Like that's what you'll be. Mo- you'll be so mad at yourself, right? Like what you say yeah. to yourself is the most important thing. I also think, guy, there's an element here. If they just had the version of like John Dorsey as his as his GM of just like some. Big time personnel guy, but just kind of a scout scouts, right? Not a media guy, not no pelts, like a middle cough version of me that had just stayed in the league. And I was 38 years old. I was Kyle's right hand man. I had worked for New England or whatever, and we knew each other or Atlanta. And he just made me his GM because there are a lot of guys like that around the league. At one point in time, like John Schneider was like that or whatever, but he was lucky, like he had Pete, you know, or Casario has Bill. Or, you know, Howie for a while had Andy, and then when he was put in a position where he's now above what his coach, he's seen it all for like 10 years. That, to me, is where John Lynch, like just his presence, him talking, his credibility. It's not even about like the player acquisition or making moves or scouting. It's just having that guy around right now, to me, is worth its weight in gold. Just because he can just say, like when he's around the players, I think there is something to that. I actually think he's a good positive influence on Kyle. Yeah. Where he can he can be like, fucking pull your head up, man. Like there there's a player element to him 
for Kyle that I think he can bring him up. Because if Kyle was around just another Kyle, I think it could get really negative really fast. And you just see John is just not, that's not the way he's wired. That's where I think he he adds a huge element of positivity that well, way. Well, right, because John's explanation for calling the timeout was just, hey, man, I'm just into the game. Like, I'm just rooting on the team, you know? He, he Parag, knows he's like Parag, and right. I think Parag's incredibly valuable to them, too. Right? If John Lynch was a GM in charge of everything all by himself, that'd be a different animal. Right? To under, to have somebody who just gets all the who's able to handle all that other stuff and lets freeze him up to be to be what he's best at. And then, you know, he said they want Eric Armstead back. But I, I thought that was a pretty real moment when John's like, Yeah, man, I'm just I'm basically a fan up there. I call fucking timeout like we all did. I, listen, I understand, like going back and his explanation. I'm not here to tell him. I'm not in charge of that. I, I'm just and this is gets back to the GMs in general. In baseball, right, they dictate the players. In basketball, they clearly have a lot of pull right now. In baseball, in they football, dictate the players and the in-game management. They, yeah, they dictate everything. In football, they have never mattered less when the game's going on. Like, they have zero impact, guy. Zero. John Lynch has as much impact during the game as me and you did on our couch. Like, they, they don't do anything. You can't. You're in a fucking box eating peanuts and Diet Cokes. Like, you're doing nothing beside rooting like normal humans. And it's just like, I was kind of interested. Like, whoa, this is gonna, could get a little weird. And, he's, and it, when you end it with just like, I got this motherfucker's back 24-7. Like, and he's just like, okay. You know, just, again, a high-level response that I think might have flustered some. Now, you would imagine, you know, they had some idea that John would know. Maybe we'll get a question on that. You were, yeah, it was visual. Yeah. They knew. Bob Lang prepared him for it if they didn't know, but they knew. Yeah. Which, whatever. Um, all right. Uh, yeah. I, I, really quick on Eric Armstead. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're lying. Like, we want to keep him. Why wouldn't they? I mean, he's one of their best players. It is going to be really, really fascinating. I do think it's kind of the ace in their hole that, like, part of sustaining an organization, right, is you can't keep everyone. You get to small core group of people, and you got to let some guys go. And I, I just think, like, the Belichickian way is he's probably the guy. Now, you get value for it. You franchise tag and trade. But I don't know if you can bring him back, given that paying Kittle, paying Buckner, probably trying to add a couple pieces. You you don't have a second or third round pick. You know, if you get a second round pick for him, I, I, I think that when it's all the dust settles, I, I would lean 60-40 he's tagged and traded. That's what cha- you never. I I'll, my last thought on this for today will be this: you never go back to that first year you made a run again. It's never the same. No matter you reload. John Lynch used the analogy of a few years ago we got to go to the grocery store and just take all the stuff we want. Now if we want something, we got to put something else back, based on how much players you know we got more players that are expensive. But you never, and we don't have an unlimited amount of cap room like we did back then. Yeah, it's just I, I just had this feeling. This isn't so much just an Eric Armstead thought, but just. What you've got captured right now, man, you never have that first year again. Well, like, for example. Just all that we surprised everybody and we snuck up on people and all our dudes. It's like, it's just now there's a challenge of, like, we lost. Are people going to start blaming each other? We say we're going to come back ready to roll. Only eight teams have gone back to the Super Bowl the next year. Three and five, right? That's the record. I guess it, it, to me, it's now really, really hard. Can you go on a run for the next five years, make the playoffs for the next five years? That just shows you're an incredible organization. Your coach is a star. Like, we'll learn a lot over the next several years. 
Like, I, I think in two years we'll be like, yeah, this is a high-level operation. Yeah, even if they don't win a Super Bowl guy, if you just go, they win the West and win a wild card the next two years in some order, right? And win a couple playoff games. You'd be like, well, they, they got a good thing going. Michael Lombardi. Do you have his uh, his latest on the Raiders in front of you? Uh, I do. Okay. What did Michael Lombardi... We've been talking a lot about Raiders quarterback situations, and I think it, the fact is it's been a lot of great Tom Brady discussion, but like every quarterback, free agency quarterback discussion right now, a lot there's a lot beyond Tom Brady. Okay, let me read you basically the first paragraph. Meanwhile, the Raiders... He did, a, he did an article on all the quarterback free agents market, which is clearly going to be pretty fascinating, right? Breeze, Brady... Rivers. Meanwhile, the Raiders, so he talks about all those guys first. Meanwhile, the Raiders, for all their messages about loving Carr, have been working behind the scenes to find a replacement. I have written several times about the disconnect between Carr and the Raiders head coach, John Gruden, and this quarterback market is too tempting for Gruden to ignore. Carr has trade value, which I talked to a scout yesterday. That's 100% true. It's probably pretty good. Which is why everyone from the Raiders always says beautiful beautiful things about the future when speaking publicly. But Carr, here's the main thing, Carr has no future in Las Vegas, and Gruden will do everything in his power to fix the position. Then it gets into, will Brady entertain the Vegas? Hard for him to see, blah, blah, blah. He thinks Carr is not going to be on the Raiders next year. And, I mean, and he I, thinks it pretty, pretty definitively. <clears throat> yes. And that's now, not if they get Brady either. That's no, just look, he, they are looking for something else. Because then his next, next nugget is he thinks like Raiders making a move for Ryan Tannehill if the Titans do not franchise him would make sense. Like he even thinks like he's not even talking Brady. He's talking Tannehill, maybe a Dalton, just flip him, move him, and then and draft a guy. Like they would almost rather draft Jordan Love, right? Or whoever they like in this quarterback draft, Jacob Eason in the second round. And groom him behind someone else. Which that to me is where I think, I know I've stood and I think you stood there too, is we're like, I could see Carr just, you know, they're not going to land Brady or Breeze or Rivers. Carr's just there and Jordan loves his backup. Kind of Alex Smith situation three years ago and it's just, what's Derek going to do? Bitch and moans like you haven't been winning. He's got no choice. got to shape in or shape out. Now it kind of feels like, are we sure that they won't just get rid of Derek, bring in another guy and still draft someone? That, to me, is what I haven't really entertained, where I think, like, yeah, I think Derek's safer than most people. Well, it's like, well, if they're open to doing that, like they get a Tannehill, hell, a Jameis, and still draft a guy, that's where I would lean. I'd just keep Derek. But maybe, again, maybe they don't like him as much as I think we think. Yeah, I mean, the, the shorthand of what Lombardi is saying is it doesn't matter what, what else they get, which seems – we, we keep talking about this. In a bubble, it's easy to say, yeah, we're moving on from a guy. But to your point, we haven't really considered we're moving on from a guy because Tannehill, we think, is a better option. Um, but that requires a domino, right? That requires the Titans to go another direction, too. And if you're Tannehill, even, aren't you, kind of, aren't you incentivized, if you're Tannehill, to stay put in Tennessee? Like, to find a way to stay? Do you go for your pay? Like, whoever give me the most money? I, he's I would, already had a, he's already had a payday. Yeah, I would think if I'm Tannehill, it doesn't. I mean, it's easy for me to say this, like because you made the point to me. If you're the Titans, you, you don't really want to franchise tag Tannehill. It's almost a thirty million dollar proposition somewhere in that range. Um, what would the Raiders pay him though? Probably a couple years, forty million bucks or something. Yeah. So like, 
which to me seems reasonable from a Titans standpoint. And if you're him, you've had, you've struggled to find this place that you are now in your career. Like, I don't think you can just walk away from that if you're Ryan Tannehill. So here's another one for you, John. If you were the Titans, would you choose Rivers over Tannehill? Uh, I think you could justify it. You could justify it. Yeah, that's a good question. I I actually think Tannehill's been pretty solid. I I would wonder, though, could we make a better run when we can lean on the pass? Does Rivers allow me to not overpay Derrick Henry? You know, because as we see with running back contracts, not what you want to do. Does it give me more options? But there's also just the elephant in the room. Is Rivers washed? I think that's, like, Breeze and Brady, we all acknowledge they could have, if you told me the Saints or the Patriots won a, I almost said World Series, Super Bowl next year, we could believe you. I think it's really hard to picture Phillip Rivers, like, leading a Super Bowl team. I lean that he's probably closer to Wash than has a comeback year. Just the way he's played, he's been beat up over the years, he's not a great arm strength guy, he can't move at all. I would lean he was washed. I actually red flag Rivers. I would keep Tannehill over Rivers. Okay. Now, you could also argue, could Rivers just give you one, just one more haymaker season? I I, I wouldn't discount that I think it just comes down to, do they think that Ryan Tannehill has a chance of being their franchise quarterback? If the answer is Rivers is, a, is Rivers a starting quarterback in 2020? Yes. Opening week, like week one, yes. starting quarterback somewhere. Yes. I would tend to agree. There is a chance, though, it's not like a one million percent lock. That'd be would someone beat him out? Well, you just never know with new teams, right? You just who else is there? Do they have a draft guy? Does Rivers really bad? Like if he is just shot, right? And you can just tell like in preseason and he's on the team with like Jordan Love, who's a first rounder, which would be. I'm just, I'm just trying to like, yeah, set up the scenario. I feel pretty good about the fact that he's a starter this year in the NFL. I, I think, like I said, the question is, do you think there's a chance he's your franchise quarterback if you're the Titans about I, Tannehill? And I think it applies to the Raiders, right? Do the Raiders think there's a chance that Derek Carr is their franchise quarterback? Well, I think they look at it. Mahomes is going to be there for the next decade plus. Can we beat this guy with Derek Carr as our starter? And I think the answer right now is just no. And that's kind of what Lombardi said, that his ceiling's capped, and they know it. Now, you could argue, well, you have another offseason. I think Tafer's tweeted this a bunch of times. They got five picks in the top 90. They got two picks in the top 20. So let's just say they hit on two picks, which you'd say, well, John, look at last year. Yeah, I know. Stretch. You know, Mayock's supposed to be good. You know, you got Cleveland Farrell come out of nowhere. Let's just say they have Max like, Crosby. Yeah, but I'm just saying in the first round. I know. Like, they just they just get just another Josh Jacobs and another linebacker like Fred Warner or something. They just get bang, bang. Could wouldn't Your team would just be dramatically better. And then you your other picks or whatever are just solid like this year. Couldn't you be a 9-10 win team with Derek next year and not have to go through this whole dog and pony show and kind of start over? Because to me, if they move over, if they do, if these stories come out, and I, I, I told you before the podcast – I think like the week after the combine, something. If this is true, which I don't know why he'd make this shit up, though he's been wrong before with opinions. I, he's not usually wrong with like th- this is not really an opinion. This is I've heard they're fucking doing their due diligence. And Schefter came out with that. Like clearly there is smoke there. Where there's smoke, there's fire. There's smoke and fire. That it, it, that 
couldn't they just justify, let's just do this one more year with them, or is it just when you know, you know, and yeah. you might as well move on? I mean, look, I, I, I tend to subscribe to when you when you know, you know. How, However, uh, are you moving on from him for Ryan Tannehill? Just because you, you would agree you that you, you would agree though, if, if they do, the Carr family, Derek, they will break his little heart. He will be devastated if they cut him or trade him, right? We yeah, I, I don't blame him. Yeah, because they've been. Now it's on him for building the house. Like I would have said, Derek. Just, oh yeah, this that, is the NFL. But I, I, I don't even think it would be that much, though. I mean, that's not ideal. It's right next to Gruden. It'd be more. They have clearly been really open, said shit to him. Just what was it? Two weeks ago, when he was with Mark at the the unveiling, and he had just been at the uh, at the UFC fight with yeah. Brady. Like he's pretty confident, guy. Like kind of overly confident, doesn't it feel like a little bit? Given the amount of uh, smoke there is, but just maybe, given the but, amount of your team hasn't been winning, but, but like it's you, not. But here's the other thing: like I don't know if you're going to say anything publicly. Can you say anything other than I'm all in? I'm the guy here. I'm the guy that wants to be here. I, like I. You know, it's like if you're going to say anything, you are the quarterback here. You can't start talking like you've got. But your he's mind not saying else. I want to be here or anything. He's saying these guys are acting like you guys are idiots for saying this shit. That's to me different. Like, yeah. of course, you say I want to be here. This is my spot because I do think he's passionate I just, about. The I Raiders. just get like you got to be all in on something until you're not anymore. Would you think, or is it just because we're closer to it? If it just March seventh, or I don't even know when the new league year starts. On the first day, it's like. Derek Carr has been traded to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm just pulling out a random team. The Carolina Panthers, whoever. Yeah. The Bears. Is that a major, major NFL story? Yeah. Or is it bigger to us? because we're Absolutely. No, it's a major NFL story. Also bigger to us because we're big Raider fans, but uh, I say that tongue-in-cheek, but we are going to – I mean, we talk Raiders. It would, he's show, a quarterback. We'll he's, Raiders fans out there. Yeah, it's, would a, big, you say be, it's a huge story. It's a, yeah, it's a big story. Quarterback, John, well, I mean, all, Mike Glennon signing in Arizona was a story. Would you say it's also a big story, just given the the smoke around that it's been the last year about and he it's loves a team him, he doesn't moving, love him, and it's Gruden, and it's all of that stuff, yeah. yeah. And he's a polar; he's just a guy that people have opinions on. So definitely, uh, wherever you build your new house, John, or if you're living in an old house, you know what you got to put in that house: a sleep number bed, the official sleep and wellness partner of the NFL. The official sleep and wellness partner, a good bleep and sleep. Nine out of ten couples prefer a mattress with different firmness. From feather soft to firm, you can adjust each side to your sleep number setting to get it just right for both of you. Yep, guy. Sleep number beds, sleepnumber.com slash ham. Sleep number beds allow you to adjust on each side, firmness, comfort, support. So if you have multiple people in a bed, many people do, girlfriend, wife, boyfriend, if you're a female listener, uh, husband, whoever, uh, we all don't like the same firmness. Some of us like pillow soft. Some of us like like Haberman. He can sleep on the concrete and sleep like a baby. Uh, the Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed senses your movement and automatically adjusts to keep you sleeping comfortably throughout the night, guy. Discover proven quality sleep. And here's the key. Save up 50% on the 360 Limited Edition Smart Bed now during the Ultimate Sleep Number event only at Sleep Number Store or sleepnumber.com slash ham. Or boyfriend, if, if, if not a female listener, John. Yeah. Individual fit technology, it fits everybody. Only at a Sleep Number Store. Discover comfort for you and your partner. You can visually see your body's pressure points. React to a Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed. That's Sleep Number dot com slash ham to find the nearest to you sleep number dot com slash ham podcast also brought to you by simply safe 
every night. Local police departments across America receive hundreds of calls from burglar alarms. The vast majority of the time, they have no idea whether the alarm is real. What a waste of time and money. All the alarm company can tell them is that a motion sensor went off. So cool, a cat jumped off the roof. Simply Safe Home Security is different. SimplySafe.com slash ham. Guy, it protects. Here's the key. Protects not just from burglars, because we want those burglars caught. It protects your house from fires, water damage, carbon monoxide poisoning, 24-7 monitoring by live security professionals, actual humans, guy. You can set up your prof- your system yourself. No tools needed. I did it. You did it. Easy to do. And it's only 50 cents a day with no contracts. Visit simplysafe.com slash ham. You'll get free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. You've got nothing to lose. Go now and be sure to let them know we sent you by simplysafe.com. That's S-I-M-P-L-I safe.com slash ham so they know Haberman Middlecoff sent you. Simplysafe.com slash ham. Uh, the other thing that happened on Thursday while Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch were talking was D'Angelo Russell got traded. See ya. NBA trade deadline. Wiggins, John. Wiggins, a warrior. Uh, a top three protected pick in 2021. A 2022 pick that's not protected. Uh, they've loaded up on what, like seven, eight now second round picks in the future? Yeah. Which I'll I'll give you my thoughts on the value of second round picks, but... Um, thank you, Kevin Durant. Yeah. I mean, I, I think guy that them being aggressive and signing a guy that whether they liked him or not, that they knew other people liked, there was a luck element to Kevin Durant going to Brooklyn. If he had gone to the Knicks, there probably isn't a sign in trade. And it sure as hell felt like him and Kyrie were going to the Knicks. And for whatever reason, they ended up in Brooklyn and they had, you know, the number one restricted free agent who they basically, you know, what's it called, renounced the rights, and he became a free agent, and then they were able to do this max deal that the Timberwolves could not have paid him. Because if the Timberwolves could have matched the number, maybe he just goes, no, I'll just go with Timberwolves. I'm not even going to do a sign-and-trade. And then the Warriors parlayed that now into not just Wiggins, who, to me, say what you want about him, is probably going to be a better fit with Steph and Clay, given that he can play the three, and also be like a backup scorer, play a little defense, Draymond be on him. Like, D'Angelo Russell's playing no defense. But to me, D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns are not going to win a goddamn thing. So you have their picks the next two years, you know, one of the next two years. So next year, the draft's supposed to be better, according to just the internet, which this draft, you know better than me. I guess it's just not very good. So I talked to uh, an NBA scout last night. He called me, and he said basically the top three picks are the best picks. And then after that, there's a drop-off. Okay, so the Warriors are going to – I mean, they have the worst record in the NBA, but – now, people disagree I think on this, John, but it was his guys were Wiseman, Ball, and Edwards from Georgia. So they end up with, they won't end up with Ball, but they would take, to me, Edwards or Wiseman. And then next year, and they could flip that guy or keep him. I personally would probably keep him. Uh, now, again, if they're going to use that to get Bradley Beal or some other sweet player, I get it. But then you have a team that is going to suck. How, how are the Cat right now can't win a goddamn thing with the guys he has. I mean... They have one of the worst records in the NBA. Now, is D'Angelo Russell going to help them? Maybe a little bit, but they are not. Those two are not playoff guys. Like they just they ain't going to the playoffs. Those two, if they're your two best players. So the Warriors have their pick, which is going to be good in the next two years. They have now two pretty amazing assets. One because they tanked themselves, like their own asset, and then this pick from them, which is going to be really good. And they get Wiggins. They they do just need bodies. Like newsflash, guy, Andre Iguodala is not coming back next year, right after yesterday. 
So, which is good. Like Andre he just Iguodala, got, he just not- got Tony Romo money in Miami. <laughs> By the way, I, I was going to save that for headlines, but I expect Tony Romo to sign for fifteen million dollars with Monday Night Football. You think he's going to go to ESPN? According to Haberman, do you have inside knowledge? Just a little rumor I heard. Fifteen million? How do you turn down fifteen million? That's a good nugget. But yeah, I, I understand like why they did it. Smart move. Um. So I was talking to Jeff Goodman on Thursday about God, God, college God. basketball. And he's like, I think one of the reasons that college basketball is so down, just in terms of, like, it's fun. Like, I, I don't know if you saw any of the games on Wednesday night, but George, uh, Georgetown Seton Hall was pretty good. Butler Villanova was an awesome game. Didn't, didn't the roof leak, though, at Hinkle? Hinky? Y- yeah, Hinkle. <laughs> uh, they, had, they did have a brief rain delay early in the game. <laughs> They that had, was that 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 was Butler Villanova. Yeah, they right? had like buckets that they like had to hang in the rafters for the water to drip in. Um, I saw mainly because I guess Dockich, who's an Indiana guy, always talks shit. Said it's kind of a dump. People well, get way too sentimental yes, about it. I was thinking like if you're Mookie, you're like, oh man, how does Mookie leave Boston? Man, it's Fenway. Mookie's like. You kidding me, dude? I want a player's parking lot where I can just pull in. I want a sweet dugout with plenty of room, a lot of bathroom stalls, all the amenities. 55,000 people watching instead of 29. I don't Uh, know what Fenway is, but it's small. Yeah, but that place does fill up. That's the thing. That's the one. But anyway, here's my point on hoops before we get to Mookie. Um, I think one of the reasons you've seen college basketball look the way it looks is because players don't, and I've been talking about this for a few years. You knew it was going to happen. Players don't leave only if they're first-rounders. And some of them don't leave only if they're second rounders. Some of them just like, I'll go get my two-way contract. Even if I'm not a drafted player, perhaps I can work for a two-way contract. I'll, I'll, get, I'll go just make some money in the G League and whatever. So I do think second round picks, if you can draft on, if you have the time as an organization to draft on potential, or if you can bring in a second round guy who doesn't have to have a big role right away, the Warriors have a bunch of second round picks. I I think the Warriors did try that though with like their late first round picks, and there's a lot of them backfired. No, well, there's no doubt. I mean, it's just it's. But I think you're getting less developed players. Um, but I do think that currency there is just a little bit more of a value now. It's also going to be more of a projection because you're not drafting. You'd love to be drafting like juniors and seniors in the second round who are really talented. Now you might be drafting guys who are freshmen and came out and in three years. Hell, maybe they would have been a first-rounder. Maybe they wouldn't have been drafted at all. You don't know. So it's a little more like, uh, you know, college recruiting. But but the but the Warriors did Draymond and Pascal. Like, they've gone older yeah. guys that have looked, been good. Yeah. So anyway, I just – there's more pl- – they're just the, – the number of players, I think, that, like, if you just took guys as college freshmen who you go, could he or could he not be an NBA player – and maybe if he had stayed till he was a senior, you'd have that answer. I just think the volume of those guys, just more of them in the draft. So there's a lot more to wade through, but potentially those are more valuable picks. If somehow the Warriors these next two years land their version of like a Duncan, a whoever, to be like the next version of the guy, people are going to be pissed. But isn't right? this kind of a year where you? it's a little early to get Duncan, but when you draft in the top, like Dunk, Tim Duncan was the number one overall pick. Right? Yeah, I'm just saying, what if they have the number one pick and they take Wiseman? Like, that's yeah, the yeah, guy yeah. was hyped. Uh, no, I agree. I'm just saying, like, or, this or is next the year, year to find that guy. Like, are you going to be in the top? I guess if you get it at the fourth pick next year from the Timberwolves, yeah. Yeah, what if you yeah, have the fourth pick? Look at this draft. I mean, You're some right. guys that went, you just never know. I mean, look at some of the guys that we were around. Like, Paul George went 11. They're, every draft, Damon Lillard went well, six. Kawhi and Steph Clay. went seven. Kawhi went 11. 
the basketball draft, there's always, even on sweet drafts, there are just kind of sporadic throughout the top 10 of guys that are hit or miss. One thing's pretty clear, like this last draft was a big-time two-person draft. Like, if you got one of those two guys, you're in the draft. Like, Zion, even fat Zion, looks badass. I've watched a couple games. I texted with someone yesterday. I'm like, this is crazy. In the four or five games Zion's played, they clearly have put them all on national television. I've, I've watched more NBA Zion games than I have Mookie Betts' Boston Red Sox games. And he's been in big leagues for how long? <laughs> Six, seven years? Think about that. You're gonna, not count, not counting like the World Series or whatever. I'm just talking regular season, random game on a night. I, I'm not watching Sunday night Yankees, Red Sox. I might have it on TV, but I'm not really paying attention. When Zion or even Jaw, they're on my TV. Like I kind of watch when they get the rock, especially Zion because he's dunking on guys. He just jumps really high. He's just he really is kind of fat, you know, not fat, but he's just big. Like it's I I do see the knock. Like he's out of shape. Because when you look at him, he looks more like a D-tackle than he does like a wide receiver. And the NBA body types are also slim. Even their tall guys. Like, think of all, think of every big, like Anthony Davis does not look like a D-lineman, right? His body type is long. Um, LaMarcus Aldridge, or even the old school tall guys, like JaVale McGee, they're all just tall and loony. You know, just the body type for the NBA are all the same. Some guys are just taller than others. That's where Zion is sweet. Shaq was a little like this for like, that doesn't look like a human I'm used to watching in the NBA, right? That's right. what's kind of cool about the super, super small guy, like an Isaiah Thomas. He's like, God, he he really... Because if you're 5'10", I used to think this, like, God, you Steph and Steve Nash, these guys are midgets. And then you walk by Steph, you're like, God, he's fucking way taller than me. You know, they're just even small guys, like small quote-unquote guards, like Russell Westbrook. I've walked by Russell Westbrook before. If he's just walking down the street, he's taller than everyone on the street, Right? I mean, Zion clearly would be too, but Zion's body type is really just unique. Here's the thing, Even though. Even Jaw. Jaw's short. Yeah, here's the thing, though. You are going to be watching more Mookie Betts this year, though. Because he's going to be on the Dodgers, man. And you're just going to see a lot of that. Well, I watch the Dodgers anyway. Well, they're on MLB Network all the time on, like, 730 games. They, um... I, I would I would have done what the Red Sox did because they were pretty confident, I think, that he wasn't going to resign there because he wants trout money, and it's just... That's not – they're not Dave Dombrowski's team anymore. They're run by a Rays guy. Um, but I don't think it's good for baseball, John, that the it's it's February and we know the Red Sox are just not going to be one of the big stories in Major League. Like, they, they are one of the easiest brands to consume, Red Sox-Yankees. And they're – I don't want to say tanking because they still got some good players, but – the Boston Red Sox just traded away a superstar for cents on the dollar because they threw in David Price's $32 million a year, and so they didn't get premium prospects in return. Like, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, I think Because the guy was going to be a free agent. I saw a headline. Uh, I read a little bit of the article Grant Brisby wrote. Like, if the Giants ever did the equivalent of what the Red Sox just did, this would people should be incensed. Like, this is... It's one of those situations that if you're the Red Sox, I, I struggle with this with the Giants, that I get they've paid a lot of their own players, and this is the point of the article. Like, it's it backfired. Like, Kane's big contract. He was shitty the moment after he signed the contract. Now, a lot of it was injuries or whatever, but it's just most times long-term contracts have backfired, for example, on the Giants. Posey got hurt. He's never yeah. been the same. The good news Kane, with Kane was the team was still good when he was overpaid. 100%. But... You know, Belt, Crawford, it's been a disaster. And they, they aren't anywhere close to this type level of cash. 
I, I, my issue always with the Giants is like they, if you don't like Crawford, just buy him out to make him go away. Like the, the Red Sox did that with Pablo. Like you can operate. Like the Giants have unlimited money, and if they have unlimited money, the the teams with the most money by far in baseball, number one, the Yankees. It does always feel like the Red Sox were always two, or at least became two these last twenty years when they started winning big. They monetized everything. The, the Phillies, the Dodgers, the Giants. Like there is a small group. I went to lunch when I was in Miami with a Tampa Bay Rays scout. And it was interesting just talking to him about stuff. And the one thing, like, you know, Philip Rivers becomes a free agent, let's say. It's kind of a bad example because he's older. But, like, Kirk Cousins. <clears throat> when Kirk Cousins and the teams that need a quarterback, every team that needed a quarterback was in the Kirk Cousins market, right? There wasn't like, well, it's only the, it's only the Jets. <laughs> only the big market. No, it's every fucking team. Same thing, like, if... If Steph Curry became a true free agent, any team with cap space could sign him and would be actively attacking him. That's not the case in baseball. And I think your ultimate point is, well, when when the teams that are already in the top tier are kind of punting, it's kind of a problem. I, I, I think the stats guys, luckily they've attempted to infiltrate football, but ultimately football is such a coach-driven sport that it's hard for them to control too much. And plus, you just have... Your salary cap's a little bigger, and you can kind of... You don't usually let sweet players go unless they're a problem. Like, the, the sweetest player to get traded in the last five years was Khalil. And I think we all agree it was a financial issue. Like, Jalen Ramsey... Odell? Yeah, but I'd say Jalen Ramsey and Odell have, in the history of the league, they get traded a lot. They just become an issue, right? They just... Right. If if they were... If they acted like Khalil or DeForest Buckner, would they, either one of them got traded? I, I follow you. No. So I think in baseball, where none of that stuff really matters that much, like if you get Manny Ramirez or whoever, you just keep them. And when the Red Sox are punting, I mean, the Giants are going to be awful. Like there's a chance the Giants win like 60 games, right? I mean, they, they could yeah, really be bad. So if the, if the Yankees, or I mean the Red Sox and the Giants, like there are going to be a lot of big-time teams just down. Um, Maybe it's just those two. I mean, the Phillies are going to be good. The Dodgers are going to be good. The Yankees are going to be good. The A's are going to kick ass. Yeah, we'll see what the Cubs look like. Um, you, get, you get your A's season tickets yet? Uh, no, man, but I, I do like going to A's games. Uh, they will be good. You're right about let's that. Go, let's, go, let's go to some. Okay. Um, so, but as it relates I'm, to I'm Mookie. I'm serious, I will go to them. Yeah, so will I. As it relates to Mookie, um, I think one thing that benefit that would really benefit baseball is paying, I think I might have said this on the last podcast, is getting their best players paid early. Right, so Mookie gets paid at the beginning of his prime, like truly when it doesn't cost four hundred million dollars to sign him. What do you mean? When if he became a free agent at twenty five, are you just saying he hasn't established he's good yet? So it or may at only least cost he's more worth the four hundred million dollars, right? As opposed yeah. to God, so, well, I don't want to pay him that when he's twenty nine. To, to me, signing guys for four hundred million dollars means your business model is a little fucked. Well, up. yeah, that's a whole other thing. You're right, but. So uh, our old producer, I saw Cody Elias tweeted this, who's the biggest star in L.A. baseball. And, I mean, Trout's the best player. I need someone from L.A. who listens to this podcast. My guess, John, because I went to an Angels game last year, and it was uh, not well attended, that I think Mookie Betts on the Dodgers is just like a – I'm not saying best player, just star. Like, who's the biggest star in L.A., most billboard – the guy that people are just talking about while they're getting their turkey sandwiches at lunch. Like, I think it's going to be Mookie. But somebody in L.A. tell me if I'm crazy that Mookie in L.A. as a Dodger is a bigger star than Trout as an Angel. 
You're just saying baseball player. Just star. Yeah, baseball star between those two. Who's a bigger star? Not who's a bigger. Gotcha. Not who's the best player. Just who's a bigger star? Well, if they're kicking ass again, which I don't see how they won't, how will he not just be? I mean, him and Bellinger will just be. I mean, Dodgers are a big fucking deal, right? It'll be LeBron and AD and those two guys. Could you argue? Or is would Mookie be a bigger star in LA than Kawhi, given that he's on the Clippers? Ooh, that's a good question. I mean, yeah, I think the Dodgers are just one of the. Yeah, I mean, the Dodgers are. Well, bigger the, Do- the Dodgers are infinitely bigger than the Clippers. So, and he's going to be their best player, and that's saying a lot because Bellinger is pretty good, right? Yeah. How good are the Dodgers going to be, though? Just in all seriousness, yeah, like, unreal, really, really good, really freaking good. <laughs> but I mean, how about still going to be pitching? Like, is Garrett Cole going to be great if, for the Yankees? Like, could be a great World Series. Yeah, but are they just going to score a shitload of runs in the regular season? They're going to score. Yeah, it's right? just going to be about the postseason. <laughs> but like, gonna, would you say them and the? Would you be shocked if them and the Yankees don't both win over 100 games? Shocked. Uh, I'd be shocked. Like, how many games? What's the? How many games are the Dodgers going to win the division by? Well, uh, yeah, 13, 10. I mean, and like, they might have a 90 win team in the division, right? Um, all right. Headlines. Yes. Yeah, bang out a couple. So like I told you, I, we'll see. I've just, uh, I've, you know, I've been talking about it for a while. Romo to Monday night football, but, and then if that happens, I feel like you got a good little inside source. Uh, and then I wouldn't be shocked to see Steve Levy with him. You but think he's going to leave Nance? I'd be, well, if you're Nance, you're like, what the fuck? What then if you're Nance, do? what do you do? I don't know. Well, what would CBS do? Would I th- they be in a little bit of a pinch? I think if you're Nance, I think if you're CBS, you try to get provided a Breeze. You get Breeze to retire. But it's like, well, how much are you going to pay him? Breeze is going to be like, well, he just got a $15 million, or I don't know. Well, I'm well, kind of making you think that the, number up. But. Well, I w- do you think one of the issues is like CBS doesn't want to pay him that much? Why Why wouldn't he be the, that worth the CBS? I don't know, $15 million, a lot of, I mean, I, again, I don't, we'll see what happens. I don't know if he's getting $15 million. But to leave, I think he'd have to get like 10 plus. Well, I think I, I would I th- tweeted if you're this CBS, out. You wouldn't hesitate to pay him eight, right? Or what's he making now? Five or whatever. No, and think. And, and the other thing is, clearly, golf is a huge deal to him, and his access with CBS to doing stuff, it's pretty smooth, right? They're open to like, oh yeah, playing PGA tournaments, whatever. Just come to the Masters, you hang don't out think with Jim. Like, you don't think the you don't think ESPN would tell him that though? They would. But ESPN like, at the e- Masters, but are they? I mean, are they yeah, running but, it? No, but oh, I mean, they're yeah. there. Like Van Pelt's there. Like you can. Do the set with Van Pelt. If you're CBS, would you let him call some golf if he wanted to? <laughs> Just put him out there with like uh, 18 well, Peter Costas, and then at 7, Tony Romo. <laughs> Dottie is at the 9. Don't you think he would do that? Uh, yeah. I mean, Fox put Clat on golf coverage. That's what I'm saying. And he does a really I, good I, job, too. I would make it open for Tony. Like, we'll make you a piece of our coverage. All right, give me another headline. <laughs> at Amen's Corner, Tony Romo. <laughs> Tiger, tell me I you wouldn't. Tiger, look like uh, you want you reach for the seven iron there. T- tell me this though, guy. I know Amanda is their girl, like interviewing him. It would be pretty sweet. Tony Romo talking like Tiger, Jordan, all those guys after rounds. Yeah, would it not? Yeah, like I, I was listening to something. You know who Tony Finau? I guess he just left Salt Lake City, but Mike Conley is a big golfer. Tony Finau lived in Salt Lake City. They be you know Tony Finau, big basketball player. I guess they hit it off. They started playing golf all the time together. Like these golf guys are a little more crossover now, just with because they're athletes. Mm-hmm. I think Tony Romo would be a big hit if I was Tony, and I just it wasn't a total money grab. I would ask. I want to be a part of Masters coverage. Yeah, I, it's like when when I said, "Guy, 
or I said, JB, I want to be a part of Raiders postgame. People forget, guy, I part of my contract, I yeah. wanted to be a part right. of the Raiders. They'd be like, John, no problem. You'll do it for no <laughs> you'll just do it as part of your contract, right? Like, absolutely. And I then can't you wait for the opportunity. And then, you, and then you realize, like, wait, guy just can sit home all Sunday and just watch games and sit and I have to come <laughs> to this fucking place. Give me a headline. You live and you learn. Um Let's see. Mark D'Antonio quit after he got a. Th- I, I've seen different numbers. One place I saw 4.1, other yeah, places like 3.4, millions of dollars, whatever. The day before, Pat Narduzzi did the, you know, just whenever you're a famous person, you're not going to leave, just do the Leo thing. It's pretty funny. Do I guess the Leo I, thing? I, I, like, uh, I'm not leaving. Oh. He, he tweeted that out. Yeah. I'm not. And then they, they, they put his face on Leo. I'm not leaving. I saw today, was it Pete Thamel or someone wrote, like, Luke Fickle, they're going all in. Does now, seem Cincinnati, like, yeah. he's, he does have a pretty good gig. Do you want to take Michigan State? Is it the right time? Couldn't you get some another job? Big I, 10 money, man. It is big time. You see the Big 10 money? He's going to pass, like, SEC money? You take it, dude. You think so? I think. If you're, if you're Fickle, I think you take Michigan State in a heartbeat. Because then if you win there and Ryan Day ends so, up failing, you just go back to Ohio State. I was listening to this podcast the other day. You know Barton Simmons is from 24-7? No. Just re- like recruiting college football guy. And um, he was saying – I just clicked Separate his- humans? Bart and Simmons or Bart ba- Simmons? Barton. Barton is his first name. Barton Simmons. And uh, he did like, like an emergency podcast. And he was saying that after Michigan State lost in the college football playoff to – was Alabama blew him out? kick their ass like they had a decision to make like we've reached a certain point how do we like are we a good enough program to get to that next level where we can win a national championship and that next recruiting class they took some serious character risks on guys like they reached beyond what their normal culture reaches would be that were talented though that were talented and one of the guys the story that he told was like they're in the recruiting room and one of the assistants is like my daughter's on this campus. I do not want this player here. Well, they sign him, and fucking sure enough, like he ends up with a rape charge or something. Like it was like it wasn't just him too. Like there were multiple players that it was a disaster, and that they, they kinda, where they could have just maintained winning nine ten yeah. with the right type guys, tough. They were kind of like just another version of Wisconsin for a second, weren't so the, they? Just yeah, high level right. smart guys. So there's a there was a lot like the date there's like a big lawsuit going on right now from a coach who feels like he got railroaded because remember a couple players got accused of rape and now in the in there's a real lawsuit he's like suing Michigan State. So there means like people are putting their hands on bibles and he's claiming recruiting violations and getting people jobs and so D'Antonio said that had it, nothing it, to do with resigning, but in fairness to D'Antonio it is winning's pretty addicting, just in general. I mean, they've made a ton of movies on it. We've seen in our lifetime so many programs get caught. How do you balance that, right? Well, I bet you get that taste. And here's the other thing, guy: you not only you get think that your taste, you're like, strong we, enough. Well, and the, but then you're like, we got the culture, and then you play Alabama, and you just get mollywopped, yeah. and you go, well, how the fuck? Like we, what are we gonna do, guy? Like okay, we just keep doing our thing and we never win it. We basically are just hey, winning the winning the conference is good enough, but we can never win the national championship. How, how does Saban do it? That's what I want to know. He's getting them. LSU's getting them. Georgia's getting them. Oregon beat him on a four-star D lineman. He had verbal to Alabama from the state of Alabama. Six six and well, a half, six five and a half, six six and a half, three hundred and something. 
But yeah, Oregon's had their problems though over the last couple decades. Like they'll get the occasional like, whoa, I smoked it see, all type deal. They so they got these two linebackers. They got them in December, and the comparison the brother. No, they're not. Oh uh, yeah, Penesul's brother, who's a like a the best Noah. linebacker in the country. Right? And then this other guy, Justin Flo, and twenty four seven said it's the best combination. It's the best West Coast linebackers in the same class since Vontez Perfect and Manti Teo came out in the same year from the West Coast. They're just saying it's that level of player. Like, don't, out of like they school. haven't had two linebackers on come out of the West Coast in the same year since those two guys, and Oregon got them both. I mean, it's crazy. They got Armstead and Buckner in the same class. Anyway. Well, yeah. Well, the one thing is, I'll, I'll give Oregon credit. Beside USC with Pete, they have Chip kind of sold his soul, and now Mario's back kicking at. Like, they do recruit. Like, they don't do like D'Antonio or Wisconsin. They're going like Bama, Georgia, and LSU. And a and I saw the list of A&M's guys. Number one guy in this state. Number one guy in this state. I'll say this for Jimbo. Well, pressure's on Jimbo. He fuck, but you have to admit, Jimbo gets dudes. Uh, Antonio Brown has apologized to the Steelers, John. I was thinking about this this morning. I guess he went on Pittsburgh radio. <laughs> he, he actually, if, you, if you're hosting a radio show right now, who is it? You Ga- is stupid. it Gambo or what's the guy? Yeah, you'd be you'd be stupid not to call him because he's ready to talk. I used to when I was young, I, and again, my parents were older and stiff, but I would cause a lot of problems and just do things that they just couldn't understand, and it would be a knockdown dragout. But I was always big, and it would get really ugly screaming matches, like you know, in my early teens or whatever. I was big on, like, I was a coach. I, a coach mindset. Next day, let's turn the page, guy. Let's just let's just pretend that Tuesday didn't happen. It's Wednesday. Like, hey, hey when I see him for breakfast, like, good morning. <laughs> Waffles? <laughs> you know? I, I could just move on. And they couldn't. And it would just, it, you know, the grounding. I was like, guys, let's just forgive and forget. Let's just let's fucking move forward. Antonio, I, I can't forget this last year. It's one thing to have one individual instance, like a, doing some sit-ups in your driveway when you got sent home by Andy in 2005. It's like, okay, we'll figure it out and move on. Antonio, it's been one thing after another, after another, after, and you have shown us it all. Your own wife and the cops, you were calling, I mean, you were saying things that were like, oh my God. I, I, I'm a big forgive and forget guy. Whenever I have children, I will try to, you know, depending on, now, when you cross the line, you cross the line. But even then, I was like, guys, just fucking move on. So I, I understand well, this is 47 things, John. You can't even keep track. Yeah, his tactic doesn't work. It's that The issue it's, he's here, not here, in the NFL here, is not because of mean things he said to the Steelers. Here is the question, though, guy. He's still 31. He had one of the best six-year runs in the history of the league. Are we sure he's never getting another shot? Because I, I, I can flippantly be like, yeah, he's fucked. And then you just, it's the NFL. I mean, we've seen. Yeah. He has, it's not like he's had... Oh, he has been arrested. Remember, he ran out of the courthouse like two weeks ago in a suit. Uh, I, I adopt a staunch never-say-never never NFL policy, but I just then you have to picture somebody like signing off on it. And, and again, it's not well, like he was a bad teammate for six months. I mean, this has been – he's gone off the reservation. But And then all the stories came out like, God, you have no clue what we should deal with. And it feels like the burning of the feet was just – uh, a tiny little cliff note. People are going to look at it and be page. like, Belichick bailed on him after a week. But remember, it's that true. There was, to, like Tom yeah. didn't want him to go, and there was pressure from Robert. I saw a picture of Robert at the Super Bowl. Linda tweeted it out. And it's Belichick, Cougar Linda, 
Kraft and this other girl. And I'm like, who's that other girl? And then I did some Googling and research. It's Kraft's girlfriend mm-hmm. or ex-girlfriend, remember, that had the baby with the other guy? And they're like, still, are they still date? It's a weird, bizarre what? relationship. Do huh? you remember he had that young girlfriend? She had a baby with another guy, but it was just because she wanted a baby and Kraft couldn't have a baby. So it's, you know, these, these elites, man, they, they live uh, different lives than me. Um, David Johnson, Todd Gurley, either going to be on their team next year, both on their, both still on their teams next year. I mean, Todd's not well, going anywhere. T- right? Todd's stuck. I, I, I'd have to check David Johnson's contract to me, guy, if he, if David Johnson became available, I think there would be, there would be a ton of teams all over him. Uh, now how much they'd pay him, that would be interesting. But I, I think that there was a flash early in the season. He was good. Then he kind of got banged up. I got his contract right here. Yeah, I mean, guy, his dead cap's sixteen point two. So there's his his dead cap's bigger than his cap hit. This is where, this is why I think the ESPN reporter got so mad at Rotor World. It's like I didn't say that, and then you, it's not even feasible, guy. His dead cap's his dead cap is higher than his cap hit, and it's higher than his actually what he's owed. So no, he dead he's fucking not going anywhere. Uh, there was an ESPN Chicago report that the Bears could go veteran to push. I always love this one to push Mitchell Trubisky like Dalton or Mariota. I gotta think Dalton will have a better opportunity than just being uh, Mitchell's backup. But you could argue if you're any Dalton, like you could look at it like I can beat out Mitchell Trubisky and be the be the quarterback for the Chicago Bears. Why couldn't Mariota just get it back rolling though? Yeah. Who would Here's you be the more one confident thing, in? One thing I heard from an NFL guy. Say what you want about Mitch. He's not accurate, but he's got the arm strength in the cold weather to go through the cold weather in the wind. When you look at Andy Dalton, historically yeah. late in the season, his arms, he hasn't played well, despite being a cold weather player. So it's like, uh, that's the thing with Mitch. You don't go, well, you know, Mitch is inaccurate and his arms like breeze. He actually has a strong arm. It's just, it's like a, uh, it's like a machine gun. You just have no clue where it's going. It just sprays. And you just pray to God the guy catches it. That's where I think Mitch is kind of an intriguing player. Like, I'm not just, if you told me he had a bounce back season, again, relative to him, it's not, like, he does have physical tools. Wasn't this that supposed is the to be thing. the bounce back season, though? Well, the, the, the previous season, though, they were, they made the playoffs. He was only his first year starting, full start to finish. He mm. is young. Yeah. You know? As, again, maybe call me an optimist because I like now they had my other guy flip rooting for him, but and I, I think he stinks. Don't get me wrong. I, I just the tools, his tools. Like Dalton doesn't have tools, guy. Right. He just has accuracy. And he's older. In the warm. And, yeah. Yeah. But he's actually, you know, he's had some moments. Chargers. Dalton. Dra- Chargers. Chargers draft a guy, sign Dalton. How about that? Uh, I'll say this, February 6th, you think Romo's getting $15 million? I think Justin Herbert is the opening day starter for the L.A. Chargers. Yeah. You think he's getting drafted ahead of Tua? Are you saying, what are the, char- are the Chargers Yeah, they drafting? trade. Yeah, they'll find a way to get I mean, they'll get aggressive to get yeah, him. I, I, think like they will, I think they will get Herbert and he's the opening day starter. Uh, if, how about... Because uh, um, saying- one, one thing I saw Tua, maybe his agent says... I, I would imagine Tua doesn't play this year. Like I, I saw Steinberg say a couple weeks ago, they would like a redshirt year. I just think there's going to be some. You got to have some big picture. He has a fucking major injury guy. To me, Herbert just starts right. 
Uh, I'm not saying I'm not saying he's ready, but I yeah, just, you look, draft Herbert, you just start him. I think not being the number one quarterback in this draft, it's a benefit to not be the number one quarterback in this draft and not go play for the Bengals. Well, they're, they're, we're not 100% assured that the Burroughs won't draw a line in the sand here in the next I, month. I, th- I would there's already been some. Him, I would love to see him end up in Carolina, John. There's been some rumblings. Like, they he haven't committed. But he didn't say he would. I do think it makes it challenging for them. They do care about the people, right? Like, they are Ohio. I think it means something to them. Totally. I, I think it is. I know. I think, if, I think if they had been from Mission Viejo or Tempe, it would be. Don't you think that it yeah. would probably say it? Yes. Because totally. Carson, guy Carson, has been open about it. Like, do not do it. They will lie to you. They won't surround you with players. And he's not like, it's not like some vendetta. He's just like, these are the facts. And the alternative, too, it's not like there's not another. He's got his offensive coordinator is in Carolina. Like, he's got a place where he could say, that's where I want you to take me. Right? That, that would Trade with Carolina. But that's, I'd say, in the NBA, that shit works. Like, we're, Vladi, you draft us, we ain't showing up. And NBA teams always give in. NFL teams often just double middle fingers. I'll fucking double dog dare I think you if you're show him, up. I think if you're him, you could get away with it with this team. But do you think they would still draft him if he said it? Because I do. Yeah, but I just, I'm not showing, just trade me, man. I'm not showing so then up. You, so then you just don't show up the first year? What if they just, well, we've seen Mike Brown. Remember he did, remember the Carson thing dragged oh, forever? God. It's true. Go so play in the know, XFL. Man. Starts this week. Get your gear now. You, how many snaps, really quick, before we get out of here? You how, think you'll watch the how XFL? How many snaps? Uh, I think it starts on Saturday. Remember the AAF started on like a Saturday night, or was it a Friday night? It, yeah, it was like was a watching. day when not much was going on. Remember I was like, all oh, the, kind of fun. Remember all the media <laughs> members were getting paid to do fake tweets? I mean, no one ever revealed <laughs> this, but it sure looked like a lot of people in the media were getting paid on the side to tweet about it. I didn't get any money. I didn't either, but do you remember that? you remember feeling that way? Like, why? Well, he, a lot of people just tweeting about, oh, this is a good product. It was weird. <laughs> you right? You remember that? Yeah, it was a little bizarre. It was really <laughs> bizarre. There was a lot of Twitter action. I will I, watch it, the XFL, John. I, I think mean, this one is actually this one's actually financially backed. So if you see the tweets, I just think people are going to try to be a part of it. Yeah, yeah. Who's calling the games? You know, I know. Clatt I know Clat. I think Gus. The ABC ones. I mean, maybe Menifee is involved in the XFL. So they, they, they're going to be some famous people involved in this. Well, there, yeah, a lot of these. It's ESPN and Fox are splitting. Uh, are just going to treat it like normal year stuff. And it's uh, they're using their big time crews for it. I don't know. If, I mean, I'm not saying you know. Uh, yeah, I mean they're using a lot of their major crews. Levy. I don't Haberman, know if Steve Levy's doing it. I don't know. Haberman get a callback? No, did not get a callback. <laughs> All right. On that note. Have a good weekend. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.